0: reading twilight books right now it is new moon a decade late and just for fun this is bella swan song hi everyone welcome back i'm lauren i'm sarah before this week's episode a few quick notes all right so right off the bat i think the first thing we need to talk about is As much as what is or isn't going on in these chapters, there is a lot of things that Stephanie Meyer does or the way she writes about people that we just want to put on record and say that we're not the biggest fans of and we think it needs to be talked about. And then we're going to put it to bed for this episode and maybe or maybe not address it again. So there are a couple big ones in these chapters. I think the first of which that we want to flag is mental illness. Obviously, Bella is going through some serious, dark times. Um, And by that, I mean she's depressed. She's just clinically depressed at this point. And within that, there's a lot that Stephanie Meyer does well, I think, actually, in terms of the characterization of what Bella's experiencing. But there are moments, and yes, Bella is the narrator, and she's very unreliable, particularly now. But there are things that she says in the way she talks about herself that I think are very problematic. She talks about she immediately when she starts having oral hallucinations flags that she might be crazy which is like red flags all around to start off. Um, there's also a huge dismissal of going to see anyone to help her any sort of therapist anything like that which... You know, obviously not your typical situation to see a therapist in, of course, um, when your boyfriend was a mythical creature who's not supposed to exist. Right. But there, you know, there's more than talk therapy. It's not like she, in order to be treated for depression, would need to sit down and like detail every single part of her life. And that's not discussed. I also think that the way that she talks about. Herself in general is like very put down, like she puts herself down for like all of the things that she's been doing or not doing while she's depressed, which like, you know, in a way makes sense maybe to have a teenage narrator behave that way. But in a good text, you would hope to see, you know, either, you know, some other characters or, you know, some way to work in the fact that she shouldn't be blaming herself so much. And like she blames herself for basically the deterioration of every single relationship with her friends and in her life. And that's simply not the way that, you know, things work when you're sick. It's not on you to do 110% to keep all your friends and to like make your dad happy or whatever, whatever else. And there's no mitigating factor on that. So even though we have a limited narrative perspective, I think there are a lot of other books and uh, books in the YA space that deal with that. In a much more appropriate way. I also... Even when she finally gets some positive reinforcement, no one has been like, no, Bella, you don't have to feel that way about yourself. There's just a couple of points in in Stephanie Meyer's dealing with like <laughs> traditional gender roles that I want to point out. Um, and I know we've talked about this multiple times before in the podcast because obviously Bella has this very strange somewhat domesticated relationship with Charlie that feels at times to be very inappropriate, especially in regards to her cooking for him. But um, there's a couple other points in this um, section that weren't necessarily actually about Bella. There was one where um, Lauren had cut her hair off and Stephanie Meyer was like, that's just such A strange thing to do and I don't know why a woman would ever do that that was very odd there's also on page 139 at the bottom there is a really I am sure Stephanie Meyer is not a trans exclusionary radical feminist because I'm sure she doesn't know what that is but she says um you know Jacob and his friends are talking about like mechanics and she says Bella says, quote, I figured I'd have to have a Y chromosome to really understand the excitement. And quote, not only is that That made me so frustrated. Well, not only is that you know, like girls can like cars and motorcycles and stuff, but it's also like how your chromosomes don't determine your gender or anything that you're interested in. That to me is a huge turf dog whistle. And um, that's just something where like reading a book like this and coming across, like reading any book and coming across even one sentence that is that trans exclusionary, I think... Like, I just can't sit back here and read this book and feel good about it and not talk about that. And I've read things in books that have made me feel that way. And I just don't want to sit here and pretend that it's not happening on our podcast. And and then finally, yeah, we're like, we're getting a bit of racism because Stephanie Meyer is a white woman who's writing about a real Native American tribe that she found, I assume, in a Google search. And... There is, you know, the it, there's honestly too much to go over. I think we will be talking about this over the course of this book because, the, you know, it, it deals with, obviously, the Quillette tribe a lot. But I just really wanted quickly to point out to two resources that anyone can go to if they want to learn more about the actual Quillette tribe and get a different perspective on the Native history and culture that Stephanie Meyer is like very obliquely sort of taking from and referencing and one is a couple of web pages on the Burke Museum website they have an entire section called Truth versus Twilight and they have a lot of great information about Quillette tribal history and culture and um, especially on the sort of themes that are involved in twilight such as their relationship for example with the wolf um, and there's also the quillette nation themselves have a website it's QuileuteNation.org, and they have a lot of information on their history and their culture and their language and all of that stuff so if you want to um, rid yourself of some of Stephanie Meyer's colonial tendencies, I would highly recommend just getting out there, doing some of your own research um, and looking into like the actual life and times of the real life Quillette tribe, um, because they there are real people and they exist. And it's in a, in a way very uncomfortable the way that Stephanie Meyer just decided to use this tribe. And also it's uncomfortable the way that she sort of somewhat stereotypes them. I mean, at one point she describes a Colette woman as like exotically beautiful, which is just I mean, that's just racist. And there's other moments like that. And I'm sure there will be more moments like that throughout the book. So thumbs down on those things. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. In these three chapters, our protagonist Bella struggles with depression in the aftermath of losing her truest love, Edward. She whines that there are no ways to be reckless in forks. That is, until she buys motorcycles from some hapless neighborhood kids and hires her new BFF, Jacob Black, to fix them. Meanwhile, she's trying to make friends. Sort of. On a lighter note, let's talk about the politics of high school, because there was a lot, there was a lot of, I mean, there was always a lot of drama, but there was a lot of friend drama. So we get the sense that Bella's basically been ignoring her friend's her high school friends for the past six months for five months. I don't know how long it's been some stretch of time since Edward left, which to be fair, I didn't feel like she paid much attention to them while Edward was still around, but I will say that I'm disappointed in most of them, except maybe Mike. Mike seems like he stuck it out. Okay. And sort of stood by her. Well, they, they work together. It seems like Mike talks to her like once a week. But Bella, in an attempt to get Charlie off her back, decides to start doing more things with friends, um, which involves going out with Jessica, which ends pretty disastrously. There's then a lot of drama kind of kindled around that when they all end up back at their lunch table and Bella actually starts speaking to people again. Well, it just seems like frankly no one is really no one really cares about Bella at all. She seems to be very much alone, which is odd cuz it seemed like when she was willfully ignoring them for her new boyfriend, they were much more invested in her. There's, you know, there has to be more people in the school. Surely there are people who suck less. Like I don't understand why doesn't she like make a new I mean she does make a new friend it's called Jacob Black but like it just seems like her particular group of friends like Mike seems nice but like Jess does not seem nice Angela seems okay but why you know if Angela's quote unquote such a caring person it's tough because Bella is incredibly is an incredibly unreliable narrator and there are months of lost time that we don't know what happened but it does seem like very few people care about her But, like, for example, she's at this lunch table and she speaks, uh, uh, I assume, for the first time in months because everybody turns her and is, like, so shocked and is, like, oh, my God. But I feel like if I was in high school and someone that, like, I hadn't talked to for a couple months, like, came and sat down at my lunch table and, like, joined in the conversation, we would just, you know, we wouldn't acknowledge, like, oh, my God, this person hasn't talked to us in months. We would just be like, oh, yeah, like you know, make it polite, like bring them into the conversation and we wouldn't make it a huge production. But it seems like literally every single thing that happens ever is just a huge production for all of them. Truly, what is Lauren's problem with Bella? Well, was it because she had a crush on Edward? Was that the justification in the first book? Okay. also, if there was a friend of yours who, even if it was like not necessarily a super close friend, who... After months of clearly, like, obviously it's a bad breakup, right? Like, they're soup, Edward and Bella are super together, and then suddenly the Cullens are gone. Like, everybody knows what's happened. And suddenly that friend is like, hey, do you want to go do something with me? Like, want to go to the movies? And then disappears for large chunks of the movies and then acts very suspicious afterwards. Would you not be concerned? Like, what about that spurns anger? Yeah, well, I mean, to to be fair, Bella is under the impression that her father hasn't noticed anything is different with her. So I feel like it's possible that she's like, oh, Jess is just not gonna notice that I'm behaving so strangely. the one problem that I have with Stephanie Meyer in these chapters in regards to Jacob, I say is if I didn't just go on about racism um, is that she says that he suddenly, like overnight grew to be six, five and like <laughs> super chiseled. <laughs> but, and I get that. Okay. Spoiler alert. It's because um, Jacob has turned into a werewolf. But well, not yet. He's not yet. Right, but like that, it's happening. Like, where werewolfidness is appearing, Um, but. Like, teenage boys don't stop growing when they're, like, 16. So if you're 6'5 at 16, you're, like, you're going to, (laughs) like, like, you're going to keep growing. (laughs) Like, that's not the term. Again, like we talked about last time, it seems like there's a weird, like, Stephanie Meyer thinks that, like, There's a terminal velocity of, like, you become, you have a total adult body and face and, like, everything at, like, 17, but that's just not the way that it works. And I was sort of surprised and, like, uncomfortable to see this again, but I do find it hilarious that um, Jacob is really enjoying being 6'5", as evidenced by the fact that he brings it up, like, all the time. Yeah. Well, also, apparently, mentally, they're ages 23 and 30, (laughs) respectively. Oh, yeah, they get into this argument because Bella is, like, one second older than Jacob. And then Jacob is like, but I'm six five I don't know if you heard I'm six five and so I'm like therefore older than you because I'm taller which is not a real logic but then they like make up this very convoluted rubric where eat all of the things they know how to do like account for a plus or a minus minus in how old they are okay using their rubric but not referencing the book at all just based on your memory of their rubric how old are you well, I can't do anything in regards to a car, so I'm probably an infant. Jacob Black took two years off of Bella because she didn't know how to change a tire and only gave her one back for knowing how to cook. Two years per each full recipe that you can execute. That's ridiculous. I can make a whole lasagna from scratch, okay? I'm just saying, that should give me at least two years. Obviously. Obviously. That's a healthy meal. You know, it covers a lot of bases. Then I'm like at least 40. (laughs) Really unrelated to these chapters, but a realization I had reading them, because obviously the Cullen name is not mentioned, but is Cullen just the world's most awkward portmanteau of cult and coven? Ooh! I don't know if it's true, but, uh, in the words of Obama, it's law. (laughs) Um, I, yeah, I don't think that it is, but I like it. Wait, we should have done a bunch of etymology searching on, on all of their names. We should have made little, what do you think? Do you think there's anybody out there on the internet who has done astrology on the characters of Twilight? And if so... Can you please contact me? I will be doing extensive Google search link link, after we get off of this episode. But I feel like that could really lend some insight into why these people are the way they are. Because I couldn't tell you. Do you think that Edward and Jacob have opposite star signs to tie into the rest of their opposite personalities? Well, I guess, does Edward celebrate his birthday or his turning into a vampire day? Mm-hmm. Um, great question. That's an, that's an astrology conundrum. We'd have to consult mm. an astrologist who is an expert in vampires. I have no idea. My sense is probably his human birth date is at least as important, if not more important than his vampire turn date. Um, I guess it depends on the vampire. Yeah. I was gonna say do you just think all vampires are gemini's but i feel like someone's someone's gonna come at me for that (laughs) so uh, um but um i mean it's just funny how blatantly obviously that they're like they're they're so stereotypically opposite like edward is pale and obviously jacob is a native american person not pale Like, Edward is really cold. Like, even his personality is cold. He's not welcoming. He's not inviting. His family isn't inviting. And the Blacks, like, love Bella. She just basically, in these chapters, she just shows up on their property. And they're like, Bella, what's up? Come in. Have dinner. Stay at her house. Let's uh, have Charlie over. We love you. Particularly because the last time she interacted with them, it was, like, Billy bribing Jacob to, like... Threaten bell not threatened but like say to bella don't date the cullen anymore yeah like it was not a pleasant interaction but yeah immediately they're so welcoming yeah and jacob has a lot of friends i mean they have like a lot of people around them and the cullens are so isolated right they're part of a larger community whereas the cullens are like just them yeah. the cullens are like very highbrow seemingly in their fancy house. They drive very expensive cars. Edward plays piano. The rest of them, I'm sure, do other bougie hobbies. (laughs) Yeah, and then Jacob likes to tinker with cars in his garage, and they like to have, you know, potluck dinners, and... And they don't have enough chairs for everyone to sit around a kitchen table. Whereas the Cullens are literally matching their outfits to their interior decor. (laughs) I mean... I mean, yeah, and I I think some of this is, like, it's just a little bit hysterical. Like, I don't mean, like, it's funny. I mean, it's, like, it's, like, hysterics. It's, like, you don't need to do everything to the nth degree, but, like, everything in this book is to the nth degree. So, like, I guess. Everyone just always operates at 11 and a half. Speaking, okay, except for, and I think this could be a fun activity for us, Bella is not operating on 11 and a half when she's like, there's nothing reckless to do in forks. So Bella, as a course of uh, working her way out of being really depressed, is like, oh, I have decided to become a thrill seeker, basically. And part of this is because she discovers when she's doing risky behaviors that she hears the voice of Edward Cullen in her head. And part of it is, I think she just wants to be rebellious and, like, break some rules and, like, just do some stuff. But she's like, forks is so small and there's no trouble to get into. And I think that that's just not true. So I thought maybe we both grew up in small towns. We could come up with rapid fire some ways to get into trouble, to, to, to do ri- risky, risky business in a small town. <laughs> All right. I'm going to be as creative as I can. I will say for the record that I was absolutely a Bella in high school. Not in that I went through a terrible breakup after dating a mythical monster and was depressed in my home for four months because that didn't happen to me. But um, I did not do many reckless things. Yeah, me neither. But we'll see how creative we can get. Okay, one, I was going to say drag racing, but her car would definitely lose. But maybe she could borrow someone's car and they could drag race. She could, I feel like, get into some like a game of chicken with her truck and someone else's vehicle. Mm, that's a good one. Her Her truck would definitely win. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Also, why did Edward not pull out the stereo? He literally stole everything else but didn't take the stereo back. Anyways, that was just a little bit that I was very confused about. Yeah, I don't know. I, and she keeps it in a trash bag in her closet. I mean, at least hawk it for money. What did I say last time? <laughs> Buy me expensive things that I can pawn off when you're gone. Um, mm-hmm. I um, Shoplifting. Shoplifting. Or dining and dashing. dine and dash all over Port Angeles. Streaking. Um, there's got to be a quarry somewhere. There's always a quarry. Jumping in the quarry. Yeah uh o- open ocean swimming on in surfing. surfing um spelunking mountain biking without a helmet going out and wrangling the bears that are running wild which are spoiler alert not bears but we don't know that yet <laughs> yeah. we just think they're giant bears she could be going after the bears survivalist hiking uh barefoot running well i guess if she's streaking she's going to be barefoot never mind um. <laughs> She could try to rob the bank. She could instead of backing away from the the dudes in the Port Angeles bar, she could fight them. She could become a mixed martial artist, making your own fireworks and setting them off. Mushrooms, hunting mushrooms, some of those will kill you. She could start experimenting with incredibly spicy food. Ooh, she, yeah, she could she could ghost pepper challenge herself into the hospital. Ooh saltine challenge, cinnamon challenge. She could uh create her own uh Lincoln Park cover band. Skateboarding off of the roof. That's a classic. Just uh, driving up mountains and seeing when her car just dies, when her truck can no longer make it anymore. She hasn't even tried skipping school. She's getting perfect grades. Cut class, Bella. Call out her English teacher for reading only romance novels and Animal Farm, because that's a healthy, well-rounded curriculum for a senior in high school. (laughs) She could buy an old house that's riddled with asbestos mold and renovated herself with no licensing. Ooh. Ooh. How do you top such a reckless behavior? I mean, clearly she's ready to blow her college fund. Unicycling. There's a bunch of extreme sports. Parasailing. She could get into storage locker auctions. Her producer is like, you guys have gone too far. This isn't funny anymore. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm listing all of these in my little notebook, like, mm, gotta get plans for the weekend. Listen, we will be trying each one of these, and we will report back as to which one makes us hear Edward Cullen's voice yelling at us in our brains. Who doesn't love a vampire yelling at you? Um, I don't, because I'm Team Jacob. <laughs> the other thing i want to discuss really quickly is that bella swan keeps having these dreams and i think it's interesting i think it's appropriate that in a book with so many mystical elements stephanie meyer chooses to have dreams as a like symbolism Mm -hmm. and it seems like we're going to be getting more of bella's dreams so i just want to flag that as like a space to watch i don't remember bella having dreams from reading this the first time but it's obviously like but well she has like night terrors kind of um right of nothingness of nothingness but also after she visits the blacks she doesn't have one mm-hmm. um and i was wondering if that might be like like there's some residual vampiricness sort of clung on to her person and that being with the blacks and their sort of werewolfish nature is a sort of antidote to i mean it's like Again, it's this sort of like opposites, this like very obvious metaphor. But yeah. I just wanted to bring that up because well, then she also has her other dr- when her, when the dream comes back, Sam Yuli is in the dream, and she mm-hmm. sees him sort of shifting in shape. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, foreshadowing. So maybe there's also something supernatural happening with her brain space. Bro, she is such a good detective. She doesn't even need to Google things anymore. They just appear in her dreams. That's what she should be doing. She should be pulling a vigilante justice, becoming a crime fighter. Replace her ripped out radio with a police scanner and get to work. She could become a bounty hunter. It checks so many boxes. Okay, but by the looks of the next few chapters, which are repetition, adrenaline, and third wheel, aside from adrenaline, I don't really see uh, how we're going to fit bounty hunting into her schedule, but I guess there's only one way to find out. Stay tuned for next time on Bella Swan Swan Song. Song. Catch you next time on Bella Swan Song. She could buy Heelys. Did Heelys exist then? Definitely. Definitely.